And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 285 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. And we are recording this, the spoopiest of episodes, After Dark on Halloween. Panelology After Dark. Oh, are we using the After Dark voices? (laughs) No. Truly horrifying. (laughs) Truly, truly horrifying, yes. Indeed. Yes. Well, Brian, I, I succumbed this week to uh, the fact that I have not bagged and boarded books in an embarrassingly long time. And this is partly due to the fact that comic shops are having trouble getting bags and boards and keeping them on shelves. Yeah. The one I frequent included. So did I go on the manufacturer's website and try to order a thousand bags and a thousand boards this afternoon? Yes. Yes, I did. Did I then come closer to free shipping than it would take to add another 200 bags and boards? Yes, yes, I did. It was less to just add more than to pay shipping. So I've got 1,200 bags and boards coming to me, dot, 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 in February. That's cute. I order mine 2,000 at a time. (laughs) I I normally just buy like a couple hundred as I need them at the comic shop. Yeah, no, I order mine directly from eGerber, for, and I order like two thousand at a time. To be fair, I am I am in the process of resleeving still uh, my some some of my collection. So, you know, I I do new books and a portion of my collection that I'm moving to to Mylar bags. So, um, yeah, hopefully, I'm... hopefully, actually, believe it or not, this actually may be the last order that I have to do that, and then. It will just be new stuff because uh, I have that will put every comic I own in, you know, acid free half backs and and mylar bags. That's that's impressive. Hats off. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's been like a two year project. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, other than that, how was your week this week, Brian? Um, my week was, uh, my week was good. I got to see a, uh, high school friend that I haven't seen in about four years yesterday, which was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, just, um, uh, other than that, been, been pretty good, I guess. Cool. I am preparing yeah. for auditions. There you go. Braves are up three games in the World Series, so I'm happy about that. You know. Well, you've acknowledged it. That will now end. Yep, there we go. That was all, that's all we had to do. There it is. Yep. Okay, let's talk about comics as we have now cursed Atlanta sports. As though <laughs> as though they don't do that themselves. Yes, correct. Exactly. Welcome, friends, enemies, lovers. I don't know. I don't know what the synergy is. It's panelology after dark. Uh <laughs> to an all X rated episode. Or all X Men episode. All X rated, yes, exactly. Yes. All X Men and four other books. Uh, Courtesy of Krakoa, <laughs> yes. 
It has been a minute since Brian and I have talked any X-Men, and Brian got caught up this week. Oh boy, yeah, I read something like, I don't know, 20-something X-Books this week or some god-awful number, yes. but I am all 100% caught up on the happenings of, uh, in and around Krakoa, and when I say around in and around Krakoa, I mean, you know, like all the way to uh, the former planet Mars, and, <laughs> you know, so... Right. Yes. The planet formerly known as Mars. And 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 literally another dimension. So, you know, places that are nowhere near Krakoa. So Well, uh we're gonna go all the way back. All the way back to September, I think September. We're going 1st. back, Maudie. We gotta go back. <laughs> roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Hellions, number fifteen, written by Zeb Wells, art by Roger Antonio, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by Ariana Mar. This is where, let's say, things start to really fall apart for Sinister. Yeah. Uh this actually I'm I'm I don't have that particular issue in front of me, but um I believe that's the one where um Tarn shows up, is that right? Yeah, he's the issue before it ends with okay. I think the two sinisters escaping to uh, arcades yes. laboratory, okay. and this one picks know, up yeah. with that reveal. Yeah, this 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 is when this is when uh, the Hellions catch up to him in the new, in his in his new location. Yes, yeah, that doesn't go. I, I was going to say doesn't go well for him, but really, it just doesn't go well for anybody. No, no, like, I'll be honest, uh, and I, I imagine we'll probably talk about 15 and 16 together. I think most of these books we'll probably talk about in yeah, pairs. Yeah, yeah. So let's just go ahead and say 16 is still written by Zubwells, art by Steven Segovia, colors by Rain Barreto, letters by Ariana Mar, and design by Tom Muller. I really, really, really was pretty convinced at the end of 16 that this was the end of the series. I mean, yeah, there's it, very easy to get that vibe. But there's so much still going on. There is. There are a lot of loose ends. Uh, so I'm glad it's going to keep going because I like this team and I like this creative team. But this is like a big page turn, chapter turn. Um, let's just say if we say that the team kind of blows up, we we're not we're not being figurative. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um... <laughs> Well, and everyone learns the truth about what Sinister has over Quanon, over Psylocke. Yes. yes, that he has the only copy of her daughter, yes. He says the only copy. He does say so, and, you know, it's Sinister, so, meh. Yeah, but as far as, as, far as Quanon knows. Correct. Well, and now as far as everyone other than Sinister yeah. knows, yes. Uh uh, so, yeah, essentially, Sinister has taken what he got from Tarn and created um, a character that is, and I think we, we may have mentioned this before, uh, the start of something that we probably have had reference to from uh, uh, Powers of Ten and House of X. Yes, which the Chimera. Is the Chimera. Yeah, the whole Chimera strain of of mutants which and who is, uh, is who is the first chimera a combination of uh, tarn and and sinister yep yeah <laughs> nightmare yeah. fuel just existentially that should not be because neither one of them are absolutely horrid enough by themselves right yeah let's make somebody that's both of them <laughs> two terrible tastes that taste worse <laughs> together yes that's exactly right you got your Tarn and my Sinister. You got your Sinister and my Tarn. 
was gonna say you do- you got your dog shit in my hydrochloric acid, but <laughs> same thing. Yeah, same thing. just one of them's wearing um, a cape. So, in order to prevent this from happening, um, Fabian Cortez uh, empowers Havoc to the point that he can't basically can't control his powers, and a he explode kind of explodes, and everything is just gone now. The whole facility is just gone. Yeah. So when we said that things, the team blows up. We, like I said, we kind of meant literally. And then we get the the fallout of that. We can't yeah. literally. Yeah. The next issue is the fallout. One hundred percent. Um. But we learn what Scott was, or not Scott, what Alex was doing on the team. Uh. Yeah. We see Quanin start to push people away even more. So we see mm-hmm. like Nanny and Peter end up estranged. And we learned I that if, I wonder if part of what she's doing is to pr- trying to protect him. That was well. I think so. I think probably. Yeah, uh, and then we learn Emma Frost had like a secret mole on the team. Yeah, it sounds almost as though Emma kind of had this whole thing. I don't want to say planned exactly, but like this was her. This was her safety call. Emma. Emma knew that something would go wrong because sinister. And had, exactly. like, fail-safes in place. Yeah. Boy, that look on that last panel when she talked. So, it's uh, it's Fabian Cortez. Uh, you keep saying Fabian. Hang on. It's not Fabian. It, uh, is it not Fabian? Uh, oh, no, is it? it's uh, Empath. Oh, it is Empath. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. You're 100% right. It is Empath. We've got a um, lot of Fabian Cortez running around right now, though. So, it's yeah, an easy mistake yeah. to make. And I mean, they're both kind of they're both kind of asshole and yeah, in, this, in, in a lot of similar ways. So you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, you're right. It is empath. But yeah, so she had him on the team specifically so that if something was going wrong, just kind of like this, he could do exactly what he did, which was empower havoc, so that he would just reset everything, get yeah. everything out, and start over. Yeah. Um, because that was her safety call for Sinister doing something, you know, like this. Uh, but that look in the final panel when she's talking to him where she's, he's like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. You know, I don't, I don't, I I only prefer myself having, you know, keeping company with myself anyway and blah, blah, blah. And then that look on his face at the end where it's like, he clearly is hurt that he had to betray the team. Yeah. This is also the issue, uh, in which we learn that. Frost has asked the council to reconsider the resurrection of Madeline Pryor. Yes. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I, I love how honest she is with Havoc about it, though. She's like, I, I, I'm not making any promises. I don't know that they'll listen to me or that anything will come of it. But yeah, I will, I'm making the argument again. Yeah. Yeah. Again, easily, easily this Krakoa is the best Emma that has ever existed. Oh yeah. I mean, hands down, we'll get to Inferno number two in a few minutes. Oh boy. Yeah. Damn. I, 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 I've got, it's not a prediction. I've got a, a a wish for that one that uh, we'll see what happens that I'll let you know when we get to that. Cool. For now, let's jump over to new mutants. Uh, if you're wondering what order we're going in, it's the order that the books that came out in September came out in. Right. 
That is kind of, yeah. how my notes are set up is issue by issue. So New so, Mutants number 21 uh, is written by... 22. Yeah. yeah, these both have the same team. Uh, written by Vita Ayala with art by Rod Reese. Letters by Travis Lanham with Joe Caramagna on 21. And designed by Tom Muller. Yeah. So um, we we can breathe a sigh of relief, Brian. Can we? Well, in as much as the most important... We've learned two important things. One... Laura Kenny is a real person. Gabby is also... Gabby Kenny is a real person. They are both real people. Uh Uh-oh. Are you there? I am here. You just can't hear me, can you? Yeah, I can now. Okay, cool. That was very odd. Eh. Okay, let's start again. Uh, Yeah, well, then we learned that Gabby Kenny is a real person. And uh, two... We see Jonathan. A-OK. Yep. (laughs) Yep, that was the other one. Uh, Now... Do the OG New Mutants go to confront the uh, uh, Shadow King? Shadow King. I I wanted to call him the Nightmare Thief. I don't know. <laughs> did I mention it's almost eleven at night? <laughs> you did. We not, are recording yes. late. Um, are. Um, they go to confront yeah. him, and that goes as well as everyone would expect. Just, just swimmingly, sure. I mean, I'll say this though: that issue, absolutely mm. gorgeous. Rod Reese oh. is like. Rod Reese is killing it on this series in general, but some of the like astral plane stuff, yeah, just absolutely spectacular. Yeah, the layouts, yeah. the colors, all of it. Yep, certainly his own style, but there is definitely, um, um, I don't even know if it's to the level of homage, but there's definitely influences from Bill Sienkiewicz in there. Oh, one hundred percent. Like yeah, I was, yeah. I was actually going to say that looking at. Um, the Shadow King, not the Nightmare Thief. Uh, yes, correct. <laughs> looking at the Shadow King's design and like the the sort of wallpaper fill on his jacket, mm-hmm. do you know exactly what it reminds me of, Brian? I do know. It reminds me of Sinkevich's Kingpin, which was oh. the model for Into the Spider Verse. Yep, yep. I can see. Yeah, I see that. The big body, the tiny head, kind of hunched in, re- set down in it, like. It's still very that character, but it's also like so so especially the more dreamlike it gets and the more surreal it gets, the more yeah. you get that Sinkevich illusion homage. And then we get and I thought this was I, 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 this was super, super cool. So then in the next issue in twenty two, we get the 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 new young mutants who had gotten in trouble with Shadow King, right? Yeah. Uh, and who ended up getting Gabby resurrected, that whole thing, coming to apologize to her, right? And her, you know, saying, yeah, I know you did bad things, but you also did this, right? And yeah, I forgive you. Um, Which reminds me a lot of, and again, it's, it's they're both Vita Ayala, mm-hmm. and I, I think is, I hope this means that we see some of these characters feed into this book, because thematically they would fit. Uh, but it reminds me of some of the children of the Atom, like at the very end, kind of their coming together and doing that in such a healthy, productive way. And it reminded me from the tone of it, kind of not necessarily the the dialogue and exactly what was said, but just like the feeling of it, the spirit of it, I guess, of like the old original New Mutants again. Yeah. So I love this this kind of re. Remix, you know, the spiritual, yeah, the spiritual remix of of this, yeah, super, super cool. So then they they're like, yeah, 
Well, because one of the things they came they came to tell Gabby is, yeah, we're done with the Shadow King. We're going. We want to go tell him that, you know. Uh, I love how everyone is, even though it's the Shadow King. They're super cautious. They know he's probably up to horrible things. They're still because it's Krakoa gonna try and give him the benefit of the doubt. When you also you also like get that moment of redemption for Ronnie too, right? The yeah. She was involved in all of this and, mm-hmm. like, realizes her role, but also has that similar moment with with uh, the OG New Mutants. Yep. The less New Mutants. Uh, where, like, she has to apologize to them and they come together again. Uh, which, seeing the confrontation of him, like, seeing them handle her and, like, not have her take a villain turn, right. that was also a relief. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the, the OG New Mutants go to confront him, and he is convinced that, you know, basically Krakoa is getting soft, and so his idea is everybody needs to be prepared, kind of like, you know, much more old-school mutant, you know, and, and that's what they essentially tell. That little conversation panel where, like, each of them has a message, a, a balloon where they're telling him something. Yeah was, like, super, super cool. They're like, no, we're not just... Re- the, the, Krakoa is about a new start. We're not just rehashing and redoing the same thing and trying what we've done before again. Well, like, he specifically points to Apocalypse, to Two Dots. Yeah. And it's like, yep. he was forging all of you, and he is gone now. Someone must take his role, and Correct. I will be him. So, you know, the... TLDR, the the new New Mutants, uh, the kids walk up and see that the OG New Mutants are all passed out under Shadow King's power. Yep. And that does not bode well for what's going to happen. We also get, in one of the data pages of this issue, a memo from the Five. Uh, This (laughs) is in number 21. A memo from the Five uh, regarding the resurrection of dupes. Yes. And uh, I won't read the whole thing, but genetically derivative or even genetically identical individuals are not necessarily dupes. Identical twins exist even among humans. Mutants such as Gabby Kinney, Madeline Pryor, and Evan yep. Sabanur, and others in situations like theirs are their own people regardless of genetics. So there's another nod to Madeline Pryor is going to be back. Yeah, yeah. And and I, basically what the their their final kind of ultimate bit of proof is Cerebro records them as different entities. Yeah. Well, yeah. And what's interesting is I don't think we have heard Evan mentioned in the Krakoan era. No, the last place we heard of him was in uh uh was not Way of X. Uh in um when they were all put inside of Legion's head for yeah. Uh, when yeah, uh, Nathan was it Nathan Essex Path of X? God, what was that called? I don't know. I pieced on that yeah. one. Uh, but yeah, when um, uh, X Man basically yeah. took everybody and put them all in Legion's head in an alternate reality. But uh, yeah, that's the last we've heard of him. We'll see. Yep. Let us turn our attention now to Excalibur. In which we get a team-up between Excalibur and Doctor Doom, which goes just swimmingly. <laughs> I tell you what, Doom is Doom is scheming and on some bullshit right now. Between, he is, but, but between so... the last Annihilation stuff and this, and like, somewhere else he showed up recently, like, harvesting magic. 
He is up he is, to something. He is so damn good at how he's doing it right now, too, though. I want to. I, I almost said he's so damn subtle about how he's doing it, but he's not even really being subtle about it. He's just being very politic about it. I was about to say, this has become a book about, like, diplomacy. Yeah. Like, international, international crisis and diplomacy. Um, so, essentially, he is looking for something that was left in... Oh, pardon me. That was left in um, Morgan Le Fay's castle, which got shrunk down and put, like, as a miniature in... <laughs> the uh, Crooked Street, right? The crooked yep. Market. So um, he convinces Excalibur to take him to, he's like, I, I just want to use your portal. And they're like, no, you are not going there without us escorting you to make sure that shit don't happen. So they escort him there and he gets his thing and leaves. So that's kind of what I mean about being politic. Like he's, he's upholding his end of what he tells people right now, which yeah. is, yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, but in in the course of this, we learn something very, very important about um, Arthur's son, King Arthur's son. Yeah, Mordred. Mordred. Uh, turns out he's a mutant. And this is part of why everybody hates the mutants now in, in Otherworld, because mm -hmm. they hate him, and if he is a mutant and they are mutants, they must be his allies. Right. And they're like, no, we, we, we're not allies. I mean... Yes, he. I mean, it's like, oh, he's an American and you're an American, so you must like him. It's like, no, it doesn't quite work that way. You know, he, as someone who traveled internationally during the Bush administration, though, it happens. People make those I'm assumptions. Saying, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying it's not how things actually are. <laughs> so. For our uh, study abroad, like, orientation, we were told, you know... It would not be the worst idea right now if each of you just went online and ordered yourself a little Canadian flag lapel pin if you needed to go, like, to a bar or somewhere where alcohol is being served. Just to, you know, get people not to look at you and go, American? And start a conversation about politics. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it turns out that Merlin's plan is, um, He's brought King Arthur back to reclaim the throne of Avalon. As one, apparently, that is what you do if you're Merlin. You revive I mean, Arthur. You know, he will return, right? That's a legend, right? So, um, yeah, uh, this is not going well because essentially now, um, there is a war in Otherworld. Yep. Great. So, my favorite part of this arc, these two issues, uh, at one point, at one point, Betsy uh, goes to visit the court, basically, of the vampires. And oh, yeah. to check in with her friend, Death. And they have, like, their, their practice sword fight while they talk. They duel. And Death has a crush on Storm. And that just makes me so happy. I know. I know. It's really, really good. Lady Storm, she remembered me? <laughs> Good. I'll tell her you said hello. Um, and we also have the question here of like, will Jubilee let her baby, who is a dragon, stay in Otherworld where he's happier? Shogo. Yeah, she. Yeah, she has a real long discussion about, it. and the answer is essentially um, I, that she's not against it, but like 
not now. Yeah. Yeah. What you got next? Next up, X-Force, uh, starting with number 23. I don't think we said Excalibur was written by Tini Howard with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by Ariana Marr with design by Tom Muller. Uh, X-Force, number 23, is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Martin Cocholo, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Joe Caramagna, and designed by Tom Muller. Uh, 24 is the same team. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to punt this one. Let's, let's wait on this one until after we talk about Inferno. Okay. So come back to it later in the issue. Yeah. For the episode. All right. Then Marauders is next. Marauders number 24. You're responsible for reminding me to come back to X-Force. I will. Yeah, I absolutely. Because there's something very critical that happens in Inferno that I think leads directly to. Yeah. Gotcha. So Marauders, uh, number 24, written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Phil Noto, letters by Corey Pettit, and designed by Tom Muller. And number 25, same team. Yeah. Uh, Mutants in Space. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I... There's so many good things about this. This is the the beginning of... Which, by the way, is Phil Noto, because, again, Phil Noto can draw any mutant book he wants, and I'm going to absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just happy because it meant I was right. Space Pirates. My Space oh. Pirates prediction from way back before uh, Hellfire Gala. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is absolutely Space Pirates. The Marauders get a ship, and then the uh, the owner of the ship who says, uh, okay, yeah, you bought it from me, but you know what? If I eject you into space, then I can have the ship and the money. So how about that? All right. Now, I have a, a, a theory for you, a... a hypothetical for you i don't know it's not either of those things a okay strange read of this issue for you because the first half of the first of these two issues is very star wars very like looking for a ship in the moss Eisley cantina well kind of yeah is kate pride the marauders han solo right now absolutely yes yeah oh yeah yeah with the with the with the with the knuckle tats and the uh, absolutely (laughs) Yes. Like I feel like even down to down to her costume right now, the like I mean, I know it's just the same like white shirt, black pants, but Han's like white shirt, black pants, and a vest. Right. Like it's very Cosit cosplay Cosit cosplay Han Solo. You almost got those words out those guys. I did. I tried. I tried. Look. I tried. I love it. But yes, no, you are you are not wrong. But so I'll be honest, the far more... I mean, the first one is, is a great setup. The, 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 next, second, the second issue is... is, it, is it is it is the payoff. It is the gold issue. It's like this genius team... It's not even like a mutant circuit, right? It's, it's not, not a mutant circuit, that. No. It's just like it's this teamwork. genius-level yeah. teamwork. It is. So, uh, at the end of, of the first issue, they get ejected out into space, right? It's like, oh, they're gonna die. So... <laughs> Iceman immediately is like, okay, well, the cold doesn't affect me, so no big deal there. Uh, and immediately puts a giant ice ball, hollow ice ball, around everybody, also enclosing whatever oxygen he can manage to contain. Right. Yep. Um, the problem, and so you know, he he doesn't have to breathe, so because he's made out of ice. Right. Yeah. The so, cold never um, bothered him anyway. Perfect. Yes. So, um, 
<laughs> then we uh then you know they they wake everybody back up and Emma uh in a uh, turns into a different form of ice into uh she turns into her diamond self so that she also doesn't have to breathe <laughs> and won't consume oxygen um and then Kate shows the uh her her <laughs> lovely chemistry background when she's like all right um let's see uh we need some water so they so you know they get some water and Lockheed and um uh, pyro uh, pyro melt melt it make some water and then she takes her energy gun and shoots the water which you know electricity through water is hello yay oxygen yep <laughs> and hydrogen but you know um but yeah so they they're they're able to make oxygen pyro can provide heat enough heat to keep them alive right uh-huh. And then they're like, okay, so now what do we do? It only gets better. Like the laser <laughs> thing was beautiful, but then it's yeah, like, like, okay, that was, that was, that was just the, that was just the introduction to how this issue is going to go. Now we need propulsion. So Bishop and Shaw just start punching each other back and forth. They literally start bro punching each other. <laughs> to just build up more and more energy, right? So one hits one and absorbs the energy. Then they use that energy because they're now stronger to punch the other one even harder to generate even more energy. And they, they just, they just build this up. The two of them. It's so beautiful. And then they use that. They like go into one back part of the, the ice hollow thing. Emma, because she can detect the, the mind of the, the guy on the spaceship, um, directs them where to fire and they you literally then use that energy to launch and fire the ice ball at the at back at the ship. <laughs> it's beautiful. Well I love it too because it's such a like really smart callback to that time Kate was stuck in a bullet in space. Yeah, in space, right. And like now she's using that. <laughs> yeah. Because, so they're hurtling at the ship, right? And they're going to pass right next to it. So when they get almost, like, like when they're right at it, basically, um, Emma directs her again, and she leaps out of the ship and uses the the propulsion that she's already going from the ice thing to go into the ship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With her, that, that, her supermanning through space, though, with her big kill shot hats are just, that's, that's, that panel is just my absolute favorite you you know that like that's probably jerry duggan's phone wallpaper <laughs> oh absolutely um so she gets up and she's like i know this is i know that you're not from earth so it's not gonna mean much from you but i was trained with a motherfucking ninja <laughs> i'm gonna kick your ass <laughs> and then she does <laughs> and like every time he tries to like cut her or punch her or whatever of course she just phases through him yeah right um so yeah, so she ends up taking off his side blocking helmet and then Emma takes him over and they all get back on the ship, right? And then because they are the good guys, they just leave him without a ship abandoned on Araco, but give him the money because they have legitly bought the ship. Yeah. Um and he's like, Yeah, okay, fine, fine. I know when I've been beaten, but by the way, she couldn't have beat me in a fair fight, and Emma's last word is my quote of the week. Brian's quote of the week. Emma Frost. Wait, uh, there you go. Uh, I know when I'm beat, well played. But just so it's on the record, your friend can't beat me in a fair fight. Oh, darling, how cute. There are no fair fights when you fight the Marauders. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yes. Um. So yeah. Um. Good. Good. Good stuff. Can I say that? Kate being Emma's, and I don't even want to call her protege, but like partner in crime. Yeah, yeah, like right hand person, right? I'm hoping that leads to something else that we'll talk about in a couple minutes here. Cool. Are we ready to move on to the trial of Magneto? We are. So, number two, written by Leah Williams with art by Lucas Wernick, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. And number three, same team, but add David Messina on art with Lucas Wernick. Uh, let's see. We get X-Men and Avengers versus Kaijus, right? Um, yep. I guess in the first the first one, we get uh, actually something probably even more important, and that is uh, we get a Wanda back. Yeah. Um, not all who Wanda are lost. <laughs> there you go. There's and the episode all- title. And not all who Wanda back are the same person who left. <laughs> I ain't no Wanda back girl. <laughs> um, yeah. So it turns out that um, we're not sure who or how, but the Wanda that came back is the Wanda that Cerebro backed up when Wanda was a mutant. I mean, here's kind my of? read, though. Here's here's my question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it is from about the same time, so that's an easy conclusion for them to make oh, well, in the book. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that lead us to pretty much know that, but my 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 tonation was more of so Cerebro at one point considered Wanda a mutant. Oh yeah, so like was there magic something that kind of actually made her a mutant kind of for a while? Well, you know, there is a precedent for this with Franklin mm-hmm. Richards. That's true, because until Franklin Richards. Uh, cosmic powers ended, he was right. able to warp reality to fool any mutant test, including Cerebro, into believing he was a mutant. And then when his powers expired, everyone saw through them. So I imagine it's the same for Wanda if, in fact, the answer is not, oh, yeah, I guess they just turned on the backup for her. Right. Um. Although, do they mention a backup for Pietro? They do not. Um. But I, I've got to imagine that there probably is one, right? I mean, I guess but, her but powers reason, could have yeah, yeah. affected him, too. Part of the reason we know this is, A, she has her old big big hair. <laughs> yeah. Um. B, she comes out and puts her arms around Vision and gives him a big old smooch. Yeah. And then doesn't remember her sons. So, you know. Well, but here is here is my conspiracy theory. Okay. And this is getting into number three and the ending of number three. Sure. Oh, right. Yeah. But I think it is also distinctly possible that there is some sort of time travel, alternate reality, like doppelganger thing going on. I'm wondering if it's kind of a uh, the three thorths thing. Kind of like that. Uh, right. You're not reading The Death of Doctor Strange, are you? I'm not, no. So, the first issue of The Death of Doctor Strange ends with Doctor Strange dying, or in the middle that Doctor Strange dies. And basically, he has uh, spoilers for that issue, but we're like past number two now at this point. Yeah. Um, he has basically like what in Harry Potter ter- terms would be a Horcrux. 
Okay. Um, this is not an endorsement of J.K. Rowling's transphobic views. Um, and that brings back like Silver Age C- Stephen Strange as an emergency failsafe. Because that's when he made this backup of himself. There's a part of me that can't help but wonder if, like, some similar mechanism is behind an earlier-in-time version of Wanda coming back. Oh, that could be. But, like, she's a reality warper. Uh, The last page of this leads to think, like, there are definitely multiple Wandas running around. Yeah. So, like, some flavor of... It just happens to be from the time when Wanda thought she was a mutant, and therefore... Like, everyone else jumps to that same oh. conclusion. Sure, sure. I mean, it's like, it's a very easy conclusion to jump to. Yeah. Yeah, you may well be right. Like, it may I th- be a bit of a coincidence. I also wonder how much, like, now that... <laughs> now that mutants are back with, with all the other Marvel movies at Disney, like, I feel like it's a matter of time for them to undo the, oh, you're the children of the high evolutionary or experiments of the high evolutionary and not actually mutants thing because no offense to the writer who wrote that i think it was rick remender but i'm sure that was like on orders from high and like it was it always felt kind of shoehorned in like it was always obvious why that story beat was there yeah 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 that was if i remember right that's when they were trying to do a lot of moving away from mutants yeah well that's yeah like near the beginning of the the I think Charles Soul uh in humans run. Right though. We'll see. I, I I would love I would love for some things like that to happen. We'll see. Yeah. But I mean the other thing this book gives us is like between this and uh I don't know if we actually talked about it on here. Um we must have the the onslaught revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like between this and that and Inferno, like we're really sort of seeing the cracks in specifically Charles and Magneto and their ability to yeah. like keep a hand on the ship. Yes. Yeah. Well, and we're seeing that. Yeah, they had this idea, but like it, it, it almost was. Like, <laughs> it's almost exactly like yeah. This they 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 knew what the first season of the show was going to be. Mm-hmm. Great. Now we're entering season two and they like, aren't sure what to do now kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or how to handle some characters or (laughs) literally in some cases, Um, (laughs) but yeah, there are definitely, um, there's definitely trouble a brewing. Yeah. But, uh, this is, I do love how they don't just kind of throw out this history that's there and make the Avengers like, oh, we're going to make them antagonists, so they're going to fight them and be against them. Yeah. They're still talking and still, like, you know, inviting them to dinner and, you know. Well, and it... Kyle and Northstar, like, really want Captain America to come to dinner. Yeah, right. Like, it's almost a running joke. It's almost flirtatious. There are... There are definitely a lot of tweets like shipping North Star and Captain America right now <laughs> because of this book. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, let me, let me Kyle has a bit of a thing for him, right? I was going to say, be clear. Captain America and North Star and Kyle. It is definitely like a thruple ship. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, X-Corp? 
number five? X Corp. Um... This is written by Teeny Howard with art by Alberto Foce, colors by Sunny Go, letters by Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. Uh, this is, I think, the last issue of this. There aren't any more solicited, and it definitely feels like it's kind of wrapping up. Uh, at least for now. Yeah, I, I like I the the feeling that I got from it was definitely a, okay. This is this is the end of this piece. We may revisit this again later, yeah. kind of thing. Which yeah. is the norm in the Krakoan era. Actually, it is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like any of these shorter-lived series, always, always plug back in somewhere else. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some. Uh, but like they get their board settled and they get kind of their footing in place for you know X Corp is a thing now and it, it's set and running and you know they are they are the communications giant of the world now and we continue yeah. the tradition of. What are basically uh, elaborate Rube Goldberg devices comprised entirely of Jamie's Madrix. <laughs> Jamie's Madrix. I love that. Madrices, if you prefer. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, go, um, go human Madrix Buckyball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, turns out that Madrix, I, I was about to say Madrix by himself, but, you know, Madrix by himself can um, can essentially absorb an explosion. Yeah, the power of an explosion. How about that? Cool. Who knew? Um, Jamie Madrix, apparently. Apparently, yes. Uh, I I I I am very very happy with how this ended. I love that we've got um, Mastermind and Celine like doing something. I don't know that I'm saying good, but something productive at least. <laughs> <of that. laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Like I, I just, yeah. I, I like how this feel in how this ending felt, I guess. It sets every character up for something interesting to come next. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. X-Men number three. Uh, X-Men number three. This was... This is... Speaking of... Speaking of Wanda and Pietro's crazed experiment dad, this is the High Evolutionary coming to visit. Right. Yes. And let me tell you what. I... If you gave me a list of, like, all the Marvel villains Mm -hmm. who are supposed to be big threats... Like, the like one, Omega level threats, right? I don't know that anyone can actually try to sell them that way, but big threats, big threats. Okay. Like, I feel like the high evolutionary would be on that list, but he is the one who I would always turn to be like, why? Name one thing. Name one thing he's actually done. He just kind of shows up and runs his mouth for a while and brings out some animal people and gets his butt kicked and goes home again. Anytime I see the High Evolutionary, my immediate response ugh, lame. Which I say because... Space Dr. Moreau? Is that what you... <laughs> maybe, but even that makes him sound cooler than he is. Yeah. He's like, Space Dr. Moreau with all the charm of 1960s Tony Stark. Wow. He's like a non-mutant version of, uh, of Sinister. <laughs> right? Like, if... Yeah. <laughs> If shitty Tony Stark said, you know who I admire? <laughs> Mr. Sinister. 
<laughs> Instead of making an iron suit, he like grafts an alligator head onto some dude. He's like, I could, I could do this. This could be my life. Tony new, Stark genetically engineered the... this in a cave. <laughs> the, the new origin of the high evolutionary. <laughs> I love it. I anyway, love it. I say all of this to say I actually like the way Deggett uses the high evolutionary I in this. Know, right? Yeah. And it, like probably more than any other thing like this one has a big red fucking flare. Like literally they even uh, the characters even say it in the book. Like this is going to come back and bite him in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like he 100% exists right now in this issue to stir the pot. That's all he's there to do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that's a great place for him like don't make him out to be more than he is. Just make him out to be someone who just wants to shake up a jar full of bees and open the lid and see what they do. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um another highlight of this issue, the telepathic rock paper scissors game. Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh they're trying to decide who's going to go where and uh, Scott and Gene apparently we we get the reveal that whenever uh they have to make a decision like this, they mentally do a game of rock paper scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so, so good. So good. And then number four Mm -hmm. is the, uh, it is not marked as a tie-in to the death of Doctor Strange, but it does, does acknowledge the fact that Doctor Strange is dead, Mm -hmm. uh, and that that is why this is possible. Um, also just like the cover is a beheaded Scott Summers, and I'm here for that. (laughs) He has been better. He has been better. It's still a cool cover. It's like Sleepy Hollow it is a, but with yeah, it, it's a energy cool beams. cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is the this is the uh, Krakoan uh, Halloween special book right here. Um, the uh, X Men are asleep in the uh, in the, what what do they call their place in Central Park now? The tree or the the treehouse? Treehouse. There it is. Yeah, uh, and Nightmare shows up because Doctor Strange is not guarding you know, the, the dimension of earth anymore. So he shows up and finds their dreams to be particularly tasty because they are also either guilty or worried about things that they've done in the past or all that stuff. So, yeah, I um, love the, the and, Cyclops and then, was wrong sign that like in his nightmare, he's <laughs> yes. in a coffin and this tree is on fire and it's Cyclops was wrong. Yes. <laughs> That's one of his one of his terrors, yes. Yeah. Um and then Gene basically uh completely totally schools him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gene is like, You came into my head. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> Anything that gives us like Gene being a badass, I am yes. always here for. Oh, absolutely. One hundred hundred percent yeah it was this was this was just a fun little one-off uh issue yeah i I really enjoyed it yeah um we also have our billionaire space adventurer who i just i love the timeline the way that like sometimes comics socially just hit the nail on the head with a plot beat that you know was planned earlier (laughs) yes but it like aligns perfectly and yes. in this case, it's shitty billionaires wanting to go to space. 
granted, this this rocket is only like the normal levels of phallic for a rocket, not an actual dick and balls like Bezos's. <laughs> um, but I like that his plan is well. If I'm going to go take Mars back for humans, I need superpowers. So let me fantastic for myself. <laughs> yep. Experiment number one: red ruby quartz and cosmic rays. Let's go. <laughs> and I love the logic. Of- I love the logic that's just like, well, Scott Summers uses this in his glasses, so that'll give me magic powers. It reminds me, my son Nathan has a, uh, he's a chemistry major, and he's got a t-shirt that says, forget lab safety, I want superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm like, there you go, that's it. That's it. Um. But uh, no, this was this. Is, yes, we have billionaire going to take back Mars. I guess by himself because he's going to give himself superpowers. Like, have you? First of all, all of the people from Morocco are living on that planet now. Do you know what those mutants do? <laughs> second, Hint, second, they're Storm the best is at kicking it. the shit out of all of them as they challenge her. Like, no, this does not go well for you. Hey, hey, Brian, that's a perfect segue. Sword number eight. There you go. Written yes. by Al Ewing, art by Guillaume Villanova, colors by Fernando Sefuentes, letters by Ariana Maher, and design by Tom Muller. Number nine, same team, but swap in Jacopo Camani on art. Yeah, so um, this is essentially S.W.O.R.D. showing that, yeah, she is a badass and she does deserve to be the... Uh, the 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 head of the council for Araco. Yeah, basically as queen of Mars. Uh yes, Sword's yes. job is Sword's job is get called into the Colosseum to defend her throne. And uh we see a couple of challengers including Tarn. Yeah. This Tarn guy is turning up everywhere too. He is. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a thing, but um yeah, and essentially what he finds out is, yeah, even if without her power, she's still a badass. Yes. Yeah. You know what I love about Tarn? Hmm. Especially over the last, I don't know, 20 years, 15 years maybe. The, like, impulse that happens in all, all contemporary media to try to, like, if not humanize the villains, at least explain why they're so bad. Right. Like Give, give... their traumatic, pa- yeah. traumatic pasts. Yep. Give their explanation for why they view themselves as a hero, right? Which I could insert a whole rant about that actually being kind of unhealthy and maybe maybe being part of the cultural stepping stones towards this Western flirtation with authoritarianism that we're in the middle of. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. All I'm going to say is this. In that context, the thing I love about Tarn is just how, like, irredeemable he is, how much he revels in just his own awfulness. Yeah, like, he knows he's not a nice person or a good person, like, but he's okay with that. It is good to have a villain who is just a villain. Yeah. Who's yeah. just a piece of shit. And, like, he chews the scenery, and he's over the top, and, like, he's just fun to read, but there's no there's no sane way to look at him and anything he does and be like, what, what hurt you, Tard? Yeah. Nothing hurt him. He just hurts things. Yes. Yeah, well, because, yeah, so essentially the council told him, no, you cannot go take revenge on Sinister. You can, you have to leave Krakoa alone. And then obviously we know what he did with, uh, in, uh, um, Excalibur. 
not yeah. Excalibur, in uh, uh, Hellions. Hellions. So, um, so he gets back in there like, so you went and did it. He was like, yeah, I did. What are you going to do about it? So Storm's like, oh, I will show you. <laughs> and we also we also get our call back to Marauders and Storm's love of knives. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty good. So yeah, that is the first issue is essentially her uh, defending her title and showing Tarn that, yeah, he, don't fuck with me, right? <laughs> um, and then the next one is the arrival of the Shire uh, uh, delegation. I do want to say before we move on to the second of the two issues, okay. we do get at the end of the first one a tease of maybe Storm's best haircut coming back. Oh, we do. We do indeed. Her uh, her mohawk. Yeah. I don't know if that's a popular opinion or not, but I am here for, like, Biker Storm. I think that's a great character design. Uh, here's the thing. I'm fine. Like, I I kind of like all of the different variations. Yeah. And I'm fine with her mixing it up over time and changing sure. you know, amongst them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the Shi'ar Guard comes. The Shi'ar... The Imperial Guard. Diplomatic and... team, led yeah. by Empress Zandra, who you may remember... Not only from an earlier issue of X-Men, but from Rogue and Gambit. Yeah. That was, yeah, I love, I mean, that was so good. Kelly Thompson. So, uh-huh. Exactly. Um, and I love that she is still clearly in, in absolutely enamored of Storm. Yes. Yes. That is Storm is her hero, yes. Um, and we get the introduction of, what is it, the, Leg- the Lethal Legion? The new Lethal Legion. Yeah. I actually really dig, like, I feel like we've seen a couple of iterations of this idea in, we saw one in New Mutants, and we may have seen one somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, recently in Marvel, not even all in X-Books, but, like, the idea of, like, the teams like Lethal Legion that just sort of have their roster they always cycle through, and honestly, 90-95% of the time, I feel like the the new rosters are kind of for big forgettable and i feel like that's the right. case because maybe a lot of times the team name is cool but the rosters end up being kind of forgettable and they always feel like kind of throwaway a lot of times when the roster is forgettable they the teams are kind of used as throwaway fodder for yeah they're you know, plot just, devices oh, they need to fight somebody yeah yeah i actually really like all of the character designs and power sets in this team i feel like they're really specific in interesting ways and not just this is big guy. This is pointy knife guy. This is poison guy. This is psychic guy. Right. Yeah. Well, clearly, clearly, not only that, they know how to use their powers to nullify the uh, the you know their opposition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, they 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 have a bit of a fight, and I'm real curious what's going to happen to some of these uh, Shire Imperial Guard who we know of who have been around for a while who aren't here anymore (laughs) yeah yeah um i mean some of them conceivably there are ways to get better like i don't know what happens once you get collapsed into a micro singularity in your own chest but krakoan science is pretty in your own chest that's a yeah krakoan science is pretty advanced it sounds like it would be difficult to come back from though i'm gonna be honest that's true that's true well it it really is just He's just really, really getting into himself. <laughs> wow, that was pretty bad. I mean, aren't bad. they always? Aren't they always? Uh, hey, Henry Peter Gyrick, 
has a new buddy. Oh, he does. And I don't know how I feel about this. Um, yeah, Guardian is on their team. Is Guardian a mutant? No. Okay, so he's not, pro- not probably like a double agent, some kind of Krakoan plant. No, this is, um, this is the original Guardian from the Alpha Flight team. Um, uh, okay. Gosh, I can't remember his name right now. Heather. Heather was his wife who was, who took the Guardian name when he died the first time. I can't remember his last name. It's Jimmy something. Yeah. Um, Which I know only because Garrett calls him Jimmy. Yeah. He also, however, has a mole Hudson. in sword. Hudson. Jimmy Hudson. Jimmy Hudson. Wait. Heather Jimmy Hudson, Hudson yes. Because yeah. Jimmy Howlett is... Yeah, is Ultimate um, Wolverine's son, who's correct. One of the other Ultimate characters who actually made it to Earth six one six. It wasn't correct. just Miles; it was also Jimmy Howlett. Yes, yeah, no, uh, Hudson, because Heather Hudson yeah. is yeah. That, there we go. Yeah, that. cool. Anyway, um, yeah, and he is thrown in his lot with Orcus, which is you know not good. No, um. And there's a mole. I don't want to say who the mole in sword is. It's a last page reveal, but there's a mole in sword. Oh, I was not happy to hear about this one either. I'm hoping I mean, I'm it's excited a triple cross. Because it, inter- it sounds interesting, but yeah. Oh boy! Wow. Yeah, it's we'll a see. it's a character who I was really digging. I will say that. Let's we'll yeah. Um, you know, you segued so hard, we skipped right over Inferno number one. That's okay, because I'm okay coming back to... Because I think we've just got Inferno and X-Force left. Oh, and, and Wolverine. Yeah. Um, well, your pick, Brian. Which do you want to do next? Uh, let's do Wolverine. Okay. And we'll save the other two for last. Well, I know you've got kind of like a narrative arc going on at some point in here. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Wolverine, number 16, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert, colors by Espen Grundetierne with Frank Martin, Letters by Corey Pettit and designed by Tom Muller. And number 17, written by Benjamin Percy with pencils by Lan Medina, inks by Cam Smith, colors by Java Tartaglia, letters by Corey Pettit, and designed by Tom Muller. If I had a nickel for every time that I said designed by Tom Muller, I think at this point I'd have about $15. Yeah, because he designs all the Cohen books, yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, tell me about the first one of these, Alex. Um, well, these are, look, I, I think I've said before, historically, Logan Wolverine, Mm -hmm. not my favorite character for a solo book. Right. With that said, this series is doing everything it can to change that. Benjamin Percy for a damn good writer, isn't he? Well, and giving, giving Wolverine adversaries who are on even footing and who are not either doppelgangers or clone kind of characters of Wolverine or like the same basic power set like Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Not making it about Weapon X research like every every other Wolverine villain just about. And not tying it into the like Wolverine living in Japan thing that just ages less and less well over time. Like Coming in and giving him some, like, new blood in his roster of nemeses yes. does him so much good. And, like, between Solemn and now uh, Sever Blackmore, 
I I would read a book that I would read this series like eternally if it's just the three of them spy versus spy versus <laughs> spying each other. Yep. Like the Wolverine is the best at what he does and what he does isn't very nice, but sometimes it can be funny. It should be funny. It gets to be funny. <laughs> and that is the secret sauce. Yeah. I mean, both of these issues are just and the issue before. All of this arc is just Wolverine sitting at tables talking to people, having them tell stories and knowing they're lying and we know they're lying and everyone's kind of lying, but it's okay because we all know and they're all just playing each other. And then Solemn has seduced part of Arako, the like tail of Arako that has stayed attached to Krakoa to host the gate. He's like seduced the island and the island has helped him steal shit. <laughs> Like, you know, you know that is some next level fucking charisma when you can seduce part of an island. <laughs> this is the most D&D shit. <laughs> this is, this, this, this is, totally this is a reminds, This totally reminds me of shit you would do in D&D is what it does. I mean, yes. Okay. 100%. 100%. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you charmed the goblins and actually gained your own goblin, little goblin army or anything, but... <laughs> I mean, okay, we played for what two, three months overall, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, I got my own goblin army. <laughs> I established some sort of like trade agreement or something detente between them and the elves, and mm -hmm. then I, in our last session, established my own like shipping lane. That's that's why I'm becoming a regular power customer at the local bathhouse. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yes, look, right, yeah. I was a bugbear. I I needed to make sure that I was like properly bathed and perfumed. Like I'm not a savage. <laughs> so good. Anyway, I'm a classy bugbear. Uh, <laughs> see, we should we should make a comic out of that campaign. That would have been funny. I I am still convinced that that game ended because. My buying a ship so totally broke any narrative that existed or was meant to exist in that game that there was yeah. no other sane choice. Yeah, and you may be right. Now, speaking of <laughs> speaking of ships, right? <laughs> yes. So, um, the most powerful ship of all, of course, being friendship. Aww. <laughs> um. Then, speaking of friendship, the next issue we get him and his uh, new CIA buddy. Yeah. A character who admittedly I thought had died like 12 issues ago, but was no, glad to see no, still no. around. Yeah, me too. Very, very much. Um, so uh, it is um, Jeff Bannister from the CIA. And um, this was really cool because he and Logan kind of struck up a friendship. And um, he is it, like in a new desk job at the CIA, but very clearly keeping an ear out and stumbles onto something that is not going to be good for Krakoa. Yeah. And tries to get the word out to Wolverine and clearly people are now after him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say we catch up to, uh, <laughs> we catch up to Logan sitting in the green lagoon on karaoke night. <laughs> I mean, look on the one hand, on the one hand, I absolutely get the curiosity of wanting to see Logan perform karaoke. On the other hand, as that person who, like, knows that karaoke is not his skill set, mm -hmm. and knows that, like, people want to see me do it because 
they want to see me do it and I know it will be disappointing to them. Like, it's not going to be so bad that it's funny, but it's also not going to be good enough to be good. Right. It's going to be solidly mediocre. Like, I get the, I get the, no, I'm not playing this game, guys. It's not, it's not going to actually be as fun as anyone wants. Right. right. It's not like the time Batman had to do a lounge act to save Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like the blob up there singing blah, 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 Baran. <laughs> I mean that was that was very good. Or, or was Pyro other? singing, or Pyro singing. We didn't start the fire. That was it. <laughs> I'm telling you what, <laughs> that's some that's some next level right there. That's good. It really is. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and then then Maverick gets up, <laughs> and that reintroduces uh, Logan and Maverick to. To be able to recruit him to come on this mission with him and Dominic. Yeah. I don't know that I trust Maverick. I mean, it's right there oh. in the name. It's right oh. there in the name. Yeah, clearly not. And Domino was having none of it. Like, she knows 100%. Yeah. Um, I do love, I do love how he is using Domino in this book. Because mm-hmm. she is just the, like, they're not pulling her in as a like main supporting character where like, you know, she's having story arcs and getting dialogue. And I mean, like, you know, like, and I mean, meaningful, like, you know, character development type stuff. Right. She is just the teammate who is there to go on missions with him and, and get help him get stuff done. Well, that makes sense. Cause like they're both on X-Force together. Percy writes both. It's like, this is Wolverine's book, but these are the people in his world. So we keep them close by here. But for more Domino, go read. X Force, yeah, but I love... <laughs> she she walks up and there's like three guards guarding this thing that she went and she just takes her gun and goes bang 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 and shoots it in the air and then she, she like she's like okay 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 and holsters her guns and they're like all right so you've given up all right now uh, get off the ship or we're gonna have to kill you she's like well just just hang on hang on hang on let's talk this through and they're like what are you waiting for and she was like uh just a couple of seconds and then the bullets come down and hit him in the top of the head. <laughs> Yep. I love how she uses her luck like that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Inferno? Okay, then we get to Inferno. Number one, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Valerio Skinny, colors by David Correal, letters by Joe Sabino, and designed by Tom Muller. Number two, uh, sub in Stefano Caselli for Valerio Skitty. So, um, this is the true successor to House of X and Powers of Ten. Yes, to the extent that you can almost go from reading those two books to reading this. You almost can. Um, Not saying there won't be gaps, but... No, but the major, the major story threads pick up very cleanly between them. Well, in fact... About it. I can tell you that when Angela sat in as guest host, mm-hmm. I think she'd read some of the X-Men issues between, but like still had not hit Ten of Swords even, maybe. And this still made sense based just on House and Powers. Well, because it's all about the, you know, the Orcus thing and stopping uh, you know, the the Nimrod from coming online and then the whole Moira destiny thing. That's really where yeah. this is. Yeah. That's where, and that plot thread really hasn't been picked up since then. Until no. now. The only like important new information is actually <laughs> how Nimrod has come to be. 
I think that's yeah. the only thing outside of House and Powers. But at the same time, like, you know who Nimrod is. Right, exactly. And you um, recognize those stakes. Uh, so, yeah, it turns out that um, M- Mystique has been far, far ahead of the game of, of Charles and, uh, and and Eric in this game of manipulation and chess. And uh, she calls a vote because all of the, you know, we've got what, three open seats at the Quiet Council. Mm-hmm. Right? And so she proposes that they vote in a new Quiet Council member. And who is that new uh, proposal uh, for there, Alex? Well, to to quote the esteemed uh, uh, scientist, Dr. Frederick Frankenstein, Destiny! Destiny! No escaping destiny! <laughs> yeah, um, to which, uh, and by the way, I guess we should point out, this was right after Eric and, um, and Charles had gone and had a conversation with Moira, who said, no, you have to destroy every backup copy of Destiny and make certain she never, ever comes back. Yeah. And so then they're like, okay, then in order to do that, we're going to have to get, um, we're going to have to get Raven. We're going to have to get Mystique off the council. So they're going to the council meeting, preparing to have a vote to get Mystique off. And before they can do that, Mystique does this vote to get Destiny on the council. And they're like, shit, A, she's back already. And B, they're trying to, she's trying, they're trying to get her on the council. Well, crap. And then issue two is all about how how Raven did that. We also we also learn in one who replaces Scott as the great captain. Yes, we do. We learn uh, and that's a uh, bishop. Yeah, yeah. The Red King gets his crown. The Red King gets his crown. Uh, yeah, that was super, super cool. Um, or I guess the Red Bishop. He was the Red Bishop. He was the Red Bishop. You're right. You're right. Um, so, um, turns out that she poses, uh, uh, Mystique poses as um, Magneto and goes into the House of M and takes his copy of Cerebro. Yep. Uh, which we've heard mentioned in a couple of other books, like Disappeared. And Trial of Magneto, I think they talk about. Yeah. Um, and, and it... Turns up in Wolverine because yeah. Solemn has, while seducing the island, gotten his hands on it. Yeah. Um, and sh- then she poses as Charles and takes it to the five to have them resurrect Miss, uh, uh, Mystique. I mean, Destiny. Yeah. Um, and uh, God, so, so clever, right? Like, um, the five are like, okay, we can do this. And they, they bring her back. And then, uh, Hope turns to him and says, um, Okay, the rest is up to you. You need to put her personality back. And he goes, "Oh, Hope, have you done this yet?" <laughs> no. Well, today's your graduation day. Let me talk you through it. Yeah. And so <laughs> tricks Hope into restoring her personality. Um yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I, I guess as a bonus to Mystique, <laughs> right? As she sits at a uh, a gift to the both of them. Um it's not old lady uh, destiny either. It's it's young. The age when they met. Yeah, yeah. It's it's young destiny, and uh, they talk about how it's several weeks of her recovery. So apparently, this was done a while ago, and you know she's they've been building up. 
But yeah, they have this plan, and we get to see how Destiny has manipulated some of the other council members to secure their vote for this. I love that she didn't even have to ask Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's just like, I know it's a bad idea, but I want my mom to be happy. Yeah, and votes for it. Yeah. Shaw, she's like, here's why you should do it, because Emma's gonna vote no. And then she's also bribed Emma to vote yes. Mm -hmm. Emma votes after Shaw. Yes, yep. Um... Yeah, and so Destiny gets on the council. Yeah. And Moira is not happy when she finds out. Not only does Destiny get on the council, but that means that there are not enough votes to get Mystique Mystique off off the council. Correct. So Charles and Eric decide maybe we need to bring someone else inside. Correct. And Eric makes a point that he thinks that it should be Emma. Um because she is if you think about it it's kind of funny right because they are the three who have uh, traditionally right been the three heads of the the X-Men the 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 heads of the school the school right there's yeah. only one other person Scott, who's been in charge right? of the school oh no logan oh yeah okay and here's the thing I and I was going to bring up Scott as this, but Logan also counts. They are far more X Men than they are head of, right? Like they kind of got that position because they were leader of the X Men, kind of. You know what I mean? I mean, Wolverine and the X Men. Like it, there's literally an issue where Wolverine, like so much of it before before Avengers versus X Men happened, was actually about Wolverine, like in admin administrative roles, trying to keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, my favorite issue of that was actually he takes Quentin Choir to a space casino to help him cheat to win enough money <laughs> to pay all the bills. Yeah. So I will concede your point, but I just need to need to sing the praises of Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X Men run. There you go. But uh my point being though that right, like these three, if you are asked like who are the who were if you can only give me three people who were the head of the school for right, it would in likelihood you would probably come up with these three, um, or at least it wouldn't be a stretch if these were the three that you came up with. Yeah. Um. So anyway, regardless, the point is they bring Emma in, and they bring Emma to meet uh, Moira, and the first first thing is she's like, okay, yeah, I get all this, and I know she's a geneticist, but what the hell does a human geneticist have to do with with what's going on here? And they're like, well. First of all, she's not human. She's a mutant. <laughs> um, and, Just read her mind. It will be quicker. Yeah. And second of all, um, yeah, you really need to know what the hell's going on here. So read her mind. And it like it damn near breaks Emma. Yeah. Uh, which is saying a lot. <laughs> and um, she is pissed at Charles and Eric. Like. Mm-hmm probably possibly more than she has ever been um and like she's like okay i get that this is for krakoa and i get how important this is and i i see why you're doing this so i'm gonna give it all the i'm gonna think long and long and hard about this but as far as my loyalty no you guys have lost that forever yeah, so, which is definitely what you want to hear from the person who is 
responsible for all of your trade routes. Yeah, and this is the point that I was going to make earlier. I'm almost hoping that she brings Kate into that same mindset. Yeah. And that Kath, that, that she isn't kind of blindly following Charles and Eric anymore and what they think. And I'm not saying I that mean, she has recently. No. I'm just saying that, like, there's a tradition of her, because she was such a child when she started and Charles brought her in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's very definitely a in some cases, much more of a parent relationship with Charles than many of the other yeah, right, ex-people. That said, we also know she is uh, prone to believing that Professor Xavier is a jerk. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of hopeful for this. Um, now, then we get our it, other sort of... I think it would be super interesting. You know. Yeah. Then we, then we get our other sort of uh, bomb waiting to explode. Well, before I assume that... this is where, where... Oh, okay. Before that, I was going to say uh, one of the things that I think is going to be critically important is um, Mystique goes and um, breaks into the Orcus uh, uh, monitoring house in Paris. Oh, yeah. And finds the lab where they have connected essentially a teleportation disk between this locate this secret lab and the Orcus main ship that's in orbit around the sun. Yeah. Which means that Mystique now knows of a way to get directly from Earth onto that ship. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a huge thing. I don't, that's going to be a lot. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But then because of Emma's reaction, Eric and Charles are like, okay, maybe she's not... (laughs) I mean, obviously we brought her in and we trust her with, with this, doing what's best for Krakoa, but maybe we need somebody that's more firmly would be on our side on the council. So they bring in somebody to fill in that last seat. Yeah. Um, they bring in Colossus. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he is voted on. Yep. Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, Sinister, Mystique, and Destiny vote against him. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, and I guess Shaw does. Shaw votes against him, mostly because Kitty. Kate and, votes for him. <laughs> yeah, Kate and um and Emma both vote for him. So of course Shaw votes against. Him. Yeah, <laughs> I love that they're on the same section of the council. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just yes. Anyway, um. Now I assume Brian, that this is where your X Force conspiracy theory connects yeah. in. It is. So let's uh. You ready to segue to X-Force? I am. So, yes, the the last page is literally Colossus walking in and us seeing um, uh, him, you know, being brought in. And literally, Charles is like, we are honored to have Colossus join us, join the Quiet Council. In him, we can trust. Meanwhile, in X-Force number 23 and 24, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Martin Cocciolo, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Joe Caramagna, and designed by Tom Muller, what's Colossus up to? Um, well, his brother, who is in Russia, has uh, basically conscripted the, uh, the help of, what is his name? Um, See, the brother's name is Mikhail. Yeah, uh, the chronicler is that it? I think his name is the chronicler. Yes, chronicler. Okay, um, who essentially 
um, has the ability, if he writes a story about someone, then that story comes true. If they like, if he like knows them and knows their motivation right. and knows like what drives them as a person, if he can make the story realistic, correct. If he can make the story real, then it will become real, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and what it means by that is like you can't write someone against their personality or against their type or that kind of thing, but you can give them different motivations that might move them to do things they wouldn't normally do, right? Um, so yeah. So in addition to that, I guess we should also mention I, before we get into that piece of it, we'll real quickly just say this is the um, this is the fantastic voyage of uh, <laughs> of uh, Tom Black Tom Cassidy inside of Beast. Yeah, getting rid of the uh, um, the infection. Yeah, the like tiny the reproducing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and beast going full pirate yes there's a there's a beast's body is a wonderland joke in here somewhere but it's it's late i don't have it in me anymore fair there enough, you go enough. uh yeah but the the main the the big piece of this is we get peter and kayla like like him farming and saying you know um i, I know i'm just one person but i really enjoy this farming and trying to produce these medicines that are helping people around the world. I love that I'm doing this, right? Well, in the meantime, we find out that the Chronicler is writing about Peter. Um, yeah. And Kayla comes in uh, after working, and she's going to prepare dinner while he finishes up work in the field. And she comes in and sees his paintings out. And it turns out he's been painting um, things about Krakoa that would be considered like state secrets. Yeah. Um, like Beast and Sage, you know, working in the control center and the resurrection like like the, the what do they call it? The cradle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um and she's like, What 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 are you doing? What is what is this, right? And uh because the chronicler is writing her and this just broke I was I was gonna say it broke me, but that that wow. I guess it broke Kayla. Um Colossus breaks her neck and kills her uh yeah yeah that this one gets dark uh he buries her and we find out that he is um yeah because of how the chronicler is writing him he is about to send out these pictures and betray state secrets and is essentially completely under the control of russia and then who knocks on his door <laughs> professor xavier to, to come recruit him, him for the, the quiet council. council. And now he's on the council. Because, you know, in him we can trust. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, that's why I wanted to wait for this. Because that whole... Wow. No, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I'm in this weird camp on Colossus where, like, I, I've never totally gotten over his character arc in Avengers vs. X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like, the way he treated Kate in that, like, has right. soured me on him. Kind of the same thing that Civil War II did with Carol Danvers for a while, only this I've never gotten over. Like, yeah. I really don't I, like Colossus. I will say, I... Colossus, I was very, very happy to see him doing what he was doing and happy. Yes. I, I, like, I don't, I don't wish anything bad for Peter at all. Certainly don't wish this kind of thing happening to him. I was very happy to see him happy 
and kind of out of the way. <laughs> if that makes that's sense. That's it. That's it. Like yeah. <laughs> the more kind of off page he is, the happier I am. Yeah. And it's stuff that I don't like him. It's just And I think this is a really interesting use for him. It is. It's just that like things always tend to not go well when he's there. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's going to happen again. <laughs> it's kind of like how I p- feel about Peter Quill in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh. only without the baggage of an actor with well, that's a whole different issue. We're not going there. Bad views. Um, but Aquaman, Green. Oh, yes. Go ahead. That's it. What were you going to say? Nope, that was it. All right, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target, number one, written by Brandon Thomas, with art by Ronan Cliquette, colors by Ulysses Ariola, and letters by Josh Reed. Now, are we sure this is an Aqua Arrow and Green Man? Well. I was going to say, before we say anything, I want to call spoilers. Oh, okay. But Brian might have beat me to the punch a little well, bit Well, I don't, I don't know that that gave it away, because, I mean, that was a little... I mean, if you know the story, it certainly did. If you don't know the story, I don't know that it did. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Technically, nothing that we're going to say is not on the cover, if you got the regular cover. You are, you are absolutely correct. Um, Brandon Thomas has been nailing it lately. Like, I want to start there. Brandon Thomas is just killing it. I also caught up on Aquaman the Becoming this week, which we don't have the time for me to get into. I, if, Brian, I don't know if you plan to read it or not, but if you get caught up on it, we will definitely talk about it then. If not, I will sometime in the future. Okay. That book is also fantastic. It's a great Mara book, too. Yeah, I read the first one. I haven't read the second one yet. Um, but this is... This was built as, like, Aquaman and Green Arrow have to team up to stop the, what is the organization called? Zodiac? Uh, I can't remember. Scorpio. There you go. Scorpio. Which is true. That is true. Well, the solicitations did not tell anybody. Nothing has told anybody about this book. And again, this is kind of your last chance to, to jump forward. Somehow reality has been rewritten. And Oliver Curry, who has all of Aquaman's memories, mm-hmm. is the Green Arrow. Or no, did I get it backwards? Is it Oliver Curry is Aquaman? I golly bum. I don't anyway, basically, they have Freaky friday lives. Yes. Not just bodies, but lives. Like, each of them remembers their life before, not how they traded places, but Green Arrow is now on the throne of Atlantis as Aquaman. And Aquaman is now a guy with a lot of money and arrows, and he hates it. Yes. Uh, well, we're kind of given, on the last page, we're kind of given the answer to how this might have happened, though. It might have been wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Well, so this organization that we see at the beginning is clearly, they are trying they are trying to perfect this ability to bring things from the distant past forward in time. Right? Yeah. And we see them get to a point where um, clearly somebody they have sent back, right, is waiting to come back, you know, for them to pick him up and come back forward in time. And so he's sitting there waiting, and this little dinosaur wanders into the area right next to him. So when he comes back, they are both, they are both brought back and kind of um, the fly merged. Yeah. And so I'm guessing something similar may have happened with the two of them. And yeah. You know, cross the streams or something here. 
I just I just appreciate that the entire premise of this book is predicated on these two white dudes both have blonde hair and similar facial hair. <laughs> so we can put the one in a hood in a hood with his hood up and no one will know the difference until we want them to. <laughs> Literally this entire book is built on these two guys kind of look a little alike. Yeah, yeah it is. And it I is. love it. It's great. It's, like they, it's you, they because... literally hide it on the cover with lens flare. Yeah. It's kind of fun because these two kind of don't, Loki kind of don't like each other. When just they, not only they don't like each other, but also just what, what do they have in common? There's literally yeah. nothing about these characters that from like your standard sort of storytelling standpoint makes sense except for, well, they're both on the justice league sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I don't know, but I like it. I <laughs> do too. It's fantastic. I love it. I love it so much. Like it surprised me so much and I cannot wait for more. All right. DC versus vampires. Number one. Yeah. Here's a good Halloween one for you. Yeah. Written by James Tynan and Matthew Rosenberg. Actually, I guess our two finishers are, I'm, I'll let you finish today. I guess our two finishers are both uh, Halloween books. Oh. All three of them. I threw in a third uh, one there at the end. Oh, did you? I missed that one. Hang on. Yeah. House right, of Slaughter. Ahead. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, I missed, yeah. Yeah, I missed that one. Um, written by James Tynan IV and Matthew Rosenberg. Art and colors by Otto Schmidt and letters by Tom Napolitano. This is very much in the sort of deceased vein. Yeah. Of alternate reality... Like, similar history up to the point that this happens, but definitely doing its own thing. Um, I So, we get this uh, story of somebody coming to try to get to the Justice League to tell them that horrible things are happening. And we find out very quickly, once he gets there, that it's Andrew Bennett, which I was like, what? Oh, that's great! That's perfect! Yeah. And it was. Um, so if you don't know, Andrew Bennett is I vampire and essentially the way it works is his, uh, his former lover, uh, became what is called the queen of blood and is essentially the ruler of all vampires. Yeah. Um, and because of how much she cared about him and all of this, essentially she has basically put a truce. Um, you know, kind of a ceasefire, so to speak, um, between vampires and humans. She she has given the order that vampires should not attack humans. Yeah, yeah, and she's dead. And now all the vampires are attacking humans. Yeah, and they completely take out the Legion of Doom and um, infiltrate the Justice League for sure. And infiltrate the Justice League. Um, we. I, I mean, I, I'm more, there's going to be spoilers in this as we go through it, so yeah. just be aware. Um, starting right now. Okay, so um, we uh, we find out that Green Lantern, who he goes to, it has been compromised. He is a vampire, and, and I love he, the like. He proceeds to make a Zan smoothie. He does. <laughs> oh my god! And of course, you know, all I can think of is shape of a smoothie. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, literally turns them to liquid. Yeah. 
I love the way that that kind of Hal's ability to not get caught in the sun gets telegraphed in this too, because he uses the same thing that just constantly lets him operate in daylight, literally and figuratively. He uses that on like page three to put Andrew Bennett out when Andrew Bennett catches on fire. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when he shows up in front of the Justice League, uh, somebody kind of, you know, exposes him and the sunlight hits him and he starts burning up and Green Lantern shows up and just immediately puts him out. And it's like, oh. Yeah. And we get the explanation later, right? Like he can, his whole thing is he can control the spectrum of light. So he just stops the ultraviolet light from reaching him. Yeah. Like, and it's great. Cause like, if you're really thinking about it, it's like, oh, now I'm suspicious. I'm suspicious. Hal. Mm-hmm. And if you are suspicious of Hal, you're right. You are correct. Um, and I, I real quick, we'll point out that, um, not all of the Legion of Doom was murdered. Some of them were converted. Yes, and Lex Luthor wasn't murdered. Lex Luthor might have saved the world. Maybe. Save the Luthor, save the world? No, wait, wait, we didn't save the Luthor. No. Save the Luthor's blood, save the world? Yes. There you go. Um, yeah, but Grodd is a... We've got a vampire Grodd, which is terrifying. <laughs> um... We have a vampire, well, we had a vampire Riddler. Oops. Riddle me this, what's yellow and writes? <laughs> a ballpoint banana that's also a stake driven through the Riddler's heart. I don't know, it's not funny. I don't have a good thing there. It started out funny in my head and I was, wait a minute. That works if it's a pencil. It's a ballpoint banana. Wait, oops, okay, well, I'm already halfway there. All right, we're done. What's dusty and riddles no more? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, and Cheetah. Cheetah. Also, Cheetah as a vampire also terrifies me, by the way. that Yeah, that's pretty horrifying. Right? Mm. Also, apparently, the Green Arrow is missing. He is. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right? I mean, I feel like arrows are basically stakes, so... Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he hasn't been turned. Well, I feel and like... The, and they may have telegraphed that on the cover, too, on the, on the main cover. Oh, hey, you're right. Yeah. Because it's Green I was just Arrow, thinking, yeah, it's Green Arrow and Batman fighting the zombie horde. Yeah, because there's a conversation in the Legion of Doom too, where like two of the vampire legionnaires are, uh, like talking about what, where is the green and get cut off, and I think it wants you to think Green Lantern, right? But like maybe they've been dealing with the Green Arrow. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but it turns out that Andrew Bennett was smart enough to make one other stop before he showed up to the Hall of Justice. Yep. And I'm wondering if that's where um, Lex sent him. So yeah, so I think it, it has to be. There's a there's a there's a point where Lex is like, um, so you need to go to this address, right? And I thought it was curious when I first read it, right? Because I was thinking, why didn't he just say you need to go to the Hall of Justice? Like everybody knows where the Hall of Justice is. You'd be like saying, you know, go. You, you need to go to the White House, right? <laughs> you need to go to Stately Wayne Manor. And so I think what he gave him was, I think he gave them Bruce Wayne's address. Yeah. And said, you need to go here. And he's like, but you know, this is, he was like, go here. And I think that was the, like, oh, Lex in this world may have figured out that Bruce was Batman. Which, like, in Earth Zero, Lex figured out that Bruce was Batman. Right, yeah. Like, that is a thing Lex gets to do. Yeah. So I would believe it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so he went there and Bruce was not there. So 
he was smart enough to give the letter and the vial of blood to Alfred. Because yeah. Alfred is the best. Yeah. We're um, are we sure that Alfred's not a vampire? Nope, we are not. Alfred doesn't look s- happy. He gives a super creepy look at the end. Yeah. It's like Although Alfred he does doing give him his... the blood, so you know, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. But maybe he's swapped it out for other blood and he's mm, hidden the real blood. Maybe so. Maybe so. Alfred would know how to draw like even draw his own blood. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But uh good good stuff. I liked it. Yep. Task Force Z number one, written by Matthew Rosenberg, pencils by Eddie Barrows, inks by Abair Ferreira, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Rob Lee Bryan. Are we in a Red Hood Renaissance? Um, one might, I mean, if we're not careful, I'm going to say we're in a red herd rebirth. <laughs> also fair. Also yeah. fair. Um, but, uh, can I say this, by the way, this is the most Matthew Rosenberg book. <laughs> yeah. Crap. It really is. The, uh, the, the humor that is in it is just right there, man. Um, <laughs> we get, we get, an undead man bat and an undead bane attacking crazy quilt. <laughs> do we need to say anything else? Do do we need to say more? Uh... <laughs> did you did you catch the name of the doctor who is working with this group? Oh yes, Shelley. Yeah, Doctor Shelley. As in Mary Shelley. Yes, Doctor Shelley, who I'm convinced is like actually a bunch of doppelgangers of each other because oh, there's yeah, a conversation I, I, yeah. between Red Hood and Shelly and then like five minutes later they talk and she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. So there's either multiple Dr. Shelleys or, um, you know, she, uh, or like she has no memory, right? Like or, she, has thir- <laughs> she has goldfish memory. Right? I was yeah. going to say, she's got, she's got the case of the memento. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, but yeah. <laughs> God, here, you know what? Here, I'm going to give you this line as an example of this, right? So um, they get back from this first mission, and Jason Todd is, like, showering, right? And he turns, and he's like, are you watching me? You were not in the decontamination shower for the entire recommended time, Mr. Todd. Observation is part of my job. And if you're implying that I somehow derive some kind of personal pleasure from watching you shower, I can assure you I'm much more interested in dead bodies. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, come on, Matthew. I love I love Mr. Bloom in here. Yes. Just Mr. Bloom like wanting everyone to know he's not a zombie. <laughs> and who is uh Miss Hobart? That's what I want to know. I don't know. The name Hobart does ring a bell, but I didn't get a chance to look it up. Let's see if I can find anything here real quick. Um, I'm wondering if like she's a ghost or something. I don't know. It's weird. I do like Dr. Shelley, though. Dr. Shelley is a great character already. Yeah. See, I even Googled DC in front of Hobart, and do you know what I get? Hobie Brown. I get a lot of results about Hobie Brown. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, so on this at least initial team of Task Force Z, we have have an undead man bat, we have an undead Bane, which, remember, Bane got killed in the the A-Day. Yeah. And we have an undead Arkham Knight who also got killed in A-Day. Um, and then we have an alive, please, I want everybody to know that I'm pointing out that he is alive, uh, Bloom. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> and they go to take out this group, and Mr. Freeze is part of this group. And Mr. Freeze freezes and then shatters Man Bat and Bane. So I don't know what's going to turn out with that. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, I mean... 
maybe maybe they recruit crazy quilt and he's very good at stitching people together man who knows i don't know but he keeps talking about how the team members low-key want to eat people while they're on the mission so they have mild cannibalistic tendencies, I believe is the way it's put. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. So, you know, at the end, um, Jason breaches Mr. Freeze's armor and it explodes. So he is like frozen, like, you know, frozen onto the ground. And, and like the ice is sealing up the air holes in his helmet. Yeah. So he has to take his helmet off. And when he does, he looks over and sees that uh, Arkham Knight is crawling towards him. <laughs> it's like, oh, of course. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And by the way, did you see the title of the next issue? Uh, I did, but I am blanking now. Let's see here. Hungry, Hungry Heroes. <laughs> hungry, Hungry Heroes. Yes, that was beautiful. <laughs> Just brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rosenberg. Yes. Uh, All right. One last book, and I'm going to be super quick here. This is House of Slaughter number one. This is the prequel spinoff of Something is Killing the Children. Uh, the story here is James Tynan IV and Tate Bromble, with the script by Tate Bromble, art by Chris Sheehan, colors by Mikel Muerto, and letters by Andworld Design. So this is following, actually, a different character uh, from... Uh, 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 something is killing the children. This is not about Erica Slaughter. This is about Aaron Slaughter, who is, when Erica is recruited, the only other, like, black mask recruit in the house. Um, all the others are white masks or from other clans inside the house. And this is, like, his story, basically set 15 years earlier, him in training to become a hunter... Uh, and he gets this new roommate who is actually a white mask who's transferred from, like, the New Orleans office, the, uh, the, the butcher's den or, or whatever it's called. And, like, they're just out of rooms in the white mask wing, so, like, he temporarily has to move in with Aaron. And basically this is framed as friends to lovers to enemies. So it's, what if something is killing the children but make it gay? Okay. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's incredible. I love it. Um, Christian did the autumnal. Like, I adore their art. Um, I am super excited to see, like, where this is going and how it builds out this world. I am not a big prequel person. I just... Prequels normally, for me, don't feel necessary. And this one, I think, is giving us... Is going to give us so much more of, like, the bigger picture of the world around this very like contained slice yeah that we have gotten well I'll, I'll tell you when i think prequels do well is when when prequels just tell kind of the expected story of oh this is how this person got here to this yeah. thing we already know that is far less interesting than when they use it to oh okay yeah that's part of it but also understand, yeah, in this world, this other, like, to grow the world and the lore yeah. and the, like, you need to give more than just that. It needs. To it's be, like, yeah. I don't need to see the fall of the House of Targaryen because there's nothing that's going to do to, like, expand the story of Game of Thrones. Right. But something like this that is about, like you said, the bigger picture that mm -hmm. takes that and then contextualizes it in 
someone whose view of this world is very different, who moves through it in a different way and has different skills and competencies and like makes it a character piece. Yeah. If it can, that is interesting to me. If it can change or alter your understanding of the original work, then it's, then it's useful. Yeah. Yeah. Also like, have you read any of something is killing the children? I forget. Mm -mm, I have not. So each hunter has basically a stuffed animal that they carry around in them. And the way that, the way that the whole process works is you encounter a monster, it kills people around you. The, the house of slaughter comes and kills the monster. And like, if you have survived that whole ordeal, they will bring you in and potentially make you a hunter themselves. And when you do it, you go through this process that involves binding the spirit of that monster to a stuffed animal that was like, precious to you as a child so for erica it's this little octopus named octo that has this spirit of this monster that murdered her whole family in it so i do have one question yes how the hell is this not already an anime i don't know (laughs) but i have to show you because it sounds like the most anime story of all time (laughs) this is aaron's owl (laughs) and tell me brian that the first thought in your head was not one, a two, <laughs> two a three, three. crunch, <laughs> yes. three. Yes, absolutely. It is. How many licks does it take to get to the sentence <laughs> rolls in our sentence pop? Yes, it is. Yep, it is Mr. Owl. Okay, oh. this week's books. We should My be bad. Because we're already. We uh, will be. Woo. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay. I know. I know. We're not doing Is It Still Good, even though I actually read a bunch of other stuff this week. There we because go. I yeah, know. Let's go. My Bad, number one, written by Mark Russell and Bryce Ingman, with art by Peter Krauss, colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick, and letters by Rob Steen. This is uh, Mark Russell, and who we talk about a lot, and Bryce Ingman, who worked on Incorruptible, uh, doing superhero parody. And the way this is structured is actually like, almost anthology style where the art team does each story, but one of them writes half the book and one of them writes the other half and they're shorts. They're like 10 pages. Cool. Batman, Superman authority, special one shot written by Philip Kennedy, Johnson art by Trevor Hairsign, Jonathan Glapian, Scott Hanna, rain Barreto, and Ben Templesmith and letters by Tom Napolitano. If you read Superman and the authority, you can probably guess where this is filling in the gaps. Yep. Um, very excited. Loved that book. Love what's going on in action comics right now. Yeah, then the one I am probably most looking forward to, Dark yeah. Knights of Steel, number one of twelve. This is the new Tom Taylor book. Uh, art and colors by Yasmin Putri and letters by Wes Abbott. Um, yeah, this is uh DC heroes as in fantasy setting. Yep, sword and sorcery. Yeah, super, super. You've also got Human Target, number one of 12 on your list. Yep, uh, written by, oh, somebody named Tom King. How about that? Uh, art is Greg Smallwood. Yeah, this is uh, this is his next 12-issue series. Um, and Human Target, I've always liked uh, the idea of the Human Target. It's like uh, right, right on the cusp of superhero, but it's James Bond spy-ish type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely going to be, if you look at one of the alternate covers that has a fire and ice on it, it's, it's got whodunit on it. So it's definitely going to be a mystery also. 
which yeah. is even more exciting. We have A Thing Called Truth, number one, written by Yolanda Zanfredino with art by Elisa Romboli. It's a queer road trip by the same team that did uh, Alice in Leatherland. I dug that. I am here for this. Okay. Newburn, number one, written by Chip Zdarsky, uh, with a backup by Nadia Shamas. Uh, art in the main story is Jacob Phillips, and the backup art is by Ziad Youssef Ayub. Uh, this is like noir PI story. Yeah. Um, love Chip. Really like what I've read of Nadia Shamas's work so far. Super excited for this. We've got a pair of Death of Doctor Strange tie-ins. One for The Avengers, written by Alex Pacnadel, with art by Ryan Bodenheim, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Corey Pettit. And another for Strange Academy, written by Scotty Young, with art by Mike Del Mundo, colors by Mike Del Mundo and Marco D'Alfonso, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, Death of Doctor Strange is fun and interesting, and I'm digging it, so I'm excited to see like how it spills over into these books. Yeah. And finally, from Vault, The Rush, uh, written by Cy Spurrier, with art by Nathan Gooden, colors by Addison Duke, and letters by Hassan Atzman Uh A casualty of the paper shortages. This was a spoopy book that got delayed until after Halloween. Oops. Uh, it is a, a Western, like, prospector-themed Rush, Gold Rush, yeah. uh, horror comic. Very cool. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I dig Cy Spurrier. Um, Hassan Atzmanel Howe is one of those, if he letters a book, you try the book letterers. Which is, you know, not normally something you you go after as letterers. But yeah, very cool. No, this, very is, nice. this, is, this is my secret to finding books. Look for the letterers. There you go. Okay. All right. Now you that know is Alex's it. secret. I mean, I've said it many times on this show. It is also true of Aditya Bittakar. <laughs> Wait, wait. Is this the secret of the backlogger? Yes, it's one of one of the many secrets. <laughs> okay, okay. I contain many, many secrets, Brian, but I'm sorry we're out of time. We can't go into oh, all of no. them. Uh, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to certainpov.com. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M, or send us your questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Go read comics. <laughs>